0: Welcome to the Success Journey Show. Let's travel together through the lives of individuals on the road to success. Hey, what's going on? What's going on, travelers? It is Ricky Venters and Marlon Madden, and we're back with you for another week. Yes, you know it, of the Success Journey Show. Marlon, what's good, bro? How you doing today?
1: I'm loving that intro, man. It's a little...
0: It's not different, but you know,
1: man, you killed it. Like
0: you killed yeah, it, man. I, I, you came I, I, with a low vibe. I thought he was gonna match my energy, man. Come on, nah, nah. You
1: know, we we got we gotta we gotta show go the other side of the court. I'll just I'll stay out there, man. I'm living the
0: dream. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh, man. Love it, man. How was your week, man? We haven't talked all week. We haven't really talked all week, man. So we'll, yeah, we'll that's up. Rare. Yeah, I know. That's very rare. rare. Very rare. There that's has to be some rare, things bro. happening, always... but to, uh, not between us, but to, you know, to us and for us to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're
2: not so fighting, world. Fight. We're not fighting. We're not fighting. Yeah, we're
0: not fighting. <laughs> we're not fighting. We're
1: not, the podcast is not stopping because <laughs> we, can't <laughs> we can't figure this out. But, um, yeah, I went to the ER. As you know, oh, um, diathecolitis. So it's funny that I never heard about this thing before in my life, and everybody <laughs> on there are probably like you never heard of diathecolitis, you know? But I, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm saying it right. But everybody, everybody that I say to like, yo, the doctor said I had diaticolitis. and they're like. Oh, yeah, my mother has that. My dad has that. I'm like, what? i never heard about this thing ever in my life, man. <laughs> so basically, it's um, your intestine and there's little pockets or polyps or whatever in your intestine. I don't know everything about it yet because the more I'm doing a follow-up. But uh-huh. depends on what you eat. Some people say that if they eat strawberry, the seeds get in the po- um, pockets. And it makes you feel like you are actually having – I never had a um, appendicitis before. But all the symptoms that I was having, the doctors thought it was appendicitis. So – Mm. I was in pain, so that's why I didn't call you because I felt, you know, the best way for me to stay, um, not to feel the pain, I had to sleep. Mm. So I yeah. was sleeping, um, oh, uh, um, uh, from Tuesday, yeah, from Tuesday all the way to like almost Saturday. Yeah, that's that's because I was, uh, th- that's, that's, Cause, cause that was killing say,
0: You you te- you called me the last time I heard from you. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm going out of town. You just want to roll? And I was like, nah, no, nah, I can't. I Got some stuff to do. And then next thing you know, you hit me back up like five days later. It's like, yo, man, I've been in the the ER and in bed for the rest of the week. I'm like, what? What in the world happened there, man But nah, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're back on your feet And you're moving, but one thing that did jump out at me As you were explaining, you know, this condition That you have, is that you were asking A lot of your friends and people that you know um, If they knew about, you know The condition, and from what I know About you, a lot of your friends are Right right around your age, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and they said their parents Had the issue (laughs) I know you going with this. I'm getting old. Hey, I'm just saying, man. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just listening to the facts that you're sharing with the world. So, and, you know, hey, they didn't say they had it. They said their parents had it. So,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know what it is on your side, but yeah, man, oh, man. I'm, I'm just glad you're doing better, man. I'm, I'm, you're yeah, doing way better. Glad you're doing better. Yeah, on my end, man, I was, um. I was just working, man. I I, I didn't even. It, it got to Tuesday, and I didn't even realize I had booked myself to be out from early morning until late evenings, like every night of the week. And it mm. was it, it it was tiring, man. It, it was tiring. But you know, it, it was it was good. Everything was successful that I had to do. I Had to do some trainings. I had to had to do um, some programs, um, some work this weekend at the church, all this stuff. So it, it was good, man. It, it was really good, but yeah sunday i did nothing but laundry and take naps (laughs) in in between the 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 cycles of the laundry so yeah Yeah, that's what old people do that's what (laughs) old people do (laughs) but anyways but anyways marley tell the listeners man there's some ways that they can get in contact with us and just hear a little bit more about what we're doing with the success journey show hey
1: you guys we enjoy and we are very appreciative of you guys going on to the different sites and giving us your feedback. But like always, we want you to do it even more. If you're a new listener and you just got on here, our website is the success Also our handles on Twitter is success underscore show on Facebook and on Instagram. It's success journey podcast. You go on there and you can like our content. We have a plethora of content Also, on the Success Journey Show, you could also go back and see some previous episodes that we have on all the different platforms: iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, whatever you're you're going to. You can find us at the Success Journey Show. You see some mountains? That's us right there. And you could listen to our stuff now. I'm gonna tell you, we're on 21 The Net. 21 The Net is an internet radio show, and they have their own app. So you can go to your app store, 21 The Net, and um. You could definitely listen to us on there too. All right. We're on iHeart. We're on a plethora of thing. Hey, thank you guys for what you're doing so far. And we just want to know if you go to our website, you could give us some information or even email us at the success journey, uh, success journey podcast at gmail.com. And you let us know, Hey, I want to hear this person again, or Hey, there's a, somebody that I'm wanting to hear. And even if it's somebody, Hey, I'm throwing it out there. Like Michael Jordan say, hey, I want to hear about, my, um, bring here, Michael Jordan on your show. hey listen if you have a way to get to him we'll, we will bring him on the show alright all right. or we'll try alright so that's that's it for me man
0: love it love it love it yeah thank you so much for, for following us sharing us sharing our uh, episodes hearing from friends from all over saying they're really enjoying it and uh, we just really appreciate you and we love what we do um, just to sit down here weekly to share this content share the the diversity of um, journey. That comes on these shows, man. We, we we're enjoying it as we're listening to it, as we're interviewing our guests on a weekly basis, and we know that everyone out there that t- listens to it uh, enjoys it as well. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna get on with it tonight, and we have a special guest, like we always do. Um, and the special guest is none other than Sharon Kim. Sharon, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Ricky. Hi, Marlon.
3: Thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, hey, yes. Hey, our pleasure. For being here. Yeah. Pleasure. Yes. So, Sharon, why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself?
3: Okay. I'm the Director for Innovation and Human-Centered Design at Johns Hopkins Carey Business School. It's a lot of words.
2: <laughs> uh, what,
3: basically, what it means is that I direct a program in executive education that teaches people uh, something called design thinking. Ricky, I know you know what design thinking is. Uh, Marlon, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but... It's uh, it's an approach to problem solving yep. that's creative and it involves empathy and perspective taking and it encourages people to iteratively prototype and test so that they can come up with the best solution they can for whomever they're trying to help. So I run that program and I teach executives largely from healthcare, but from all kinds of industries about how to take that approach. And maximize it so that they can do the best work they can.
0: Love it. Mm. Yeah. So I got to tell you guys just a, a quick story. And I, you know, Being at Hopkins, I said, hey, you know, let me take some classes and just improve some career development, professional development type stuff. And they have a series of classes. And as Sharon mentioned, executive training and all that stuff. And I um, I went into it with the purpose of getting like a management leadership certification, something like that. And. I saw the class option and I was like, all right, design thinking. I I did not know what design thinking was. And I saw a little brief uh, summary of what it was. But, you know, the summaries are great. But until you're actually in it, for me, you know, that's when I really grasped it. So I walk, get into the class and uh, Sharon is there and she's conducting and, 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 and talking about, you know, what's going on and what's going to happen. And, you know, I'm sitting there and it, I'm not going to get all the details, but pretty much there was a case that we had to think about, think through. And me and myself, I'm like, oh, man, I got this. You know, this is good. you know, I got I got this and went through the whole case and the description of it. And the idea was to go now and apply the design thinking methods to come up with some solutions. We'll talk a little bit more about the design thinking in detail. But in my head, I was like, oh, I already got the solution. I'm good. You know, my my team, we're gonna be great. You know, this is it. I already figured it out. And then Sharon says something to me as we get ready to leave the room, said to everybody. Yeah, so pretty much whatever you were thinking, you know um, that you know you had the solution. I encourage you to just throw that out and just pretty much start from scratch and just thinking about the problem. And I want you to do it in this systematic approach. Tell me why after we got done with the whole thing, like that my original thought was like it, it was nowhere near what the solution that we came up with for the group that we that I was in and. At that point, I was like, man, I love this process because it almost was like I'm engineering a solution um, mm. through in a different way. So it was it was an amazing, amazing, amazing process. And I said, you know, we got to get Sharon on the call just to talk a little bit more about that, but then more so how she got into it uh, herself and just uh, how the industry is growing and how it's having an impact on this, this, this society for themselves hmm
1: so that's crazy
0: yeah yeah Great, ahead Marla.
1: no 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 I, I was saying that's crazy a lot of times when you when you see a problem you think right away you know how to tackle it right hmm. and then if you stay step back and look at the bigger picture a lot of times you'll see um, a, a, another vantage point and that will definitely help you to um, tackle that problem a different way and even come up with a better solution.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, so Sharon, why don't you bring bring us back a little bit. You know, you, you said, you know, this is a, the, the the area in which you direct for this program, but let's go pre that, let, let, let's, take, let's, let's go through a quick journey and how you got to that point. Um, it, when you were growing up and you say, hey, I wanna be a design thinking director. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. That <laughs> It didn't happen like that.
3: Yeah, uh, it didn't happen like that. Uh, so I got my PhD in organizational behavior, which mm. is the study of, you know, behavior at work. And my specialization in organizational behavior was studying the psychology of creativity. So I looked at people at work and tried to, figure out which things made them more creative or which things were barriers to their creativity and I loved it um and I was really on this track to be a, you know a researcher on this topic until my hair turned gray and you know <laughs> that you know that, that that was the plan um I get my first job which was at Hopkins and the thing about professors is they they research one single topic and then the idea is when you get your first job or you get a job, you want to teach something in your wheelhouse. And so I thought, oh, I'll teach a class that reviews, you know, the greatest hits of the psychology of creativity. And my first class, it went pretty well. I mean the students were there. I shared with them all these cool papers with you know, interesting results, and we talked about creativity for, you know, 90 minutes twice a week, and uh, it was fine. You know, the, the students learned something, I got to share what it is I did, and then, but at the end of the day, I got this, you know, there was this nagging feeling that I realized, even though the students were perfectly happy with that seminar type of course, that they actually wanted to do, Ricky, what you describe, They didn't want to just talk about creativity. They wanted to get their hands dirty and actually be creative. And so early on I realized that if I were going to, you know, give the students what they wanted and and truly share with them the type of research that I was doing and that I had been studying for, you know, a really long time, the best way would be to figure out, all right, how do we make like a laboratory type situation in the classroom? And that's when I uh, decided to teach design thinking. Um, It was congruous with the research. It was fun. It really got the students excited. And at the same time, it would double as like a consulting project. You know, we would help out a nonprofit locally, or we would help out a young entrepreneur, a new entrepreneur. And it was just, I mean, the students were really satisfied. And then what I realized is that, you know, it wasn't just the students who was craving this experiential learning experience, that it was me too. You know, like I wanted to come out of my little, you know, researcher mole and (laughs) like actually like talk to people and help people and and do more than just write papers and so it really it changed my career and changed my life really and then that's been you know next thing you know little by little it starts taking over more and more of my professional time and personal time um you know I hear you Ricky working on the weekends and on the evenings but I'm in the space now where the the thing that I'm interested in, fortunately, is also gaining a lot of traction out there in in the university space, in industry, in medicine, and health. And I think a lot of people are realizing that this human centered approach to problem solving makes a lot of sense, and it mm. right's a lot of wrongs. You know.
2: Mm. Yeah, I'm yeah, leave yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Mm. 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 So, <laughs> go ahead, Rick. On, man, we keep bumping into each other man that's what happens when we don't talk to each other for a week <laughs> <laughs> no, just, we just have
1: this, I bet you we have some of the same questions we just, yeah, just want to get it out
0: go ahead man. <laughs> no, you go ahead man so so Sharon what so I'm just gonna t- take bits and pieces of what you shared um so, so knowing a lot of students that are you know, PhDs do a lot of research You know being in that comfort zone Of you know Going into the office every single day Or the laboratory every single day And just doing that research and being comfortable Doing that um, A lot of times it you know, Having that people Oriented side is not It's something that's kind of hard for, for them to transition into Because they're so used to just Operating within a space that they can control Um so like, h- how was that transition for you? Is it, is that your, just type your personality where, you know, you weren't just that person that was just the, the, the nerd in the, in the lab doing research the or introvert or <laughs> introvert. Yeah. You know, it, it, do you have that extrovert type of characteristic or is something that you ha- developed and, and enjoyed over time?
3: That's a great question. And I, I mean, I can't. I'm definitely a nerd. I mean, that, that,
2: you, just, you just
3: don't, you just don't end up with these types of jobs without that, you know, without that quality, but you are, you're right in that I've always been interested in more than just academics. I mean, I remember, and sometimes I would feel really lonely about it too. I remember in grad school, it'd be a lab meeting. We'd all show up and I'd say, you know, did anybody see Beyonce last night on TV? And everyone's like, what? You know, <laughs> I, I, I and, and wait, and that's not a knock on them. It's just me. Like, I just, I always felt a little bit, you know, like an outsider because I wanted to talk mm, about like a what was blowing up on Twitter or, you know, talk about something other than publishing papers. And, um, you know it was probably better to be like them because it's such a cutthroat you know, ind- you know industry I guess or cutthroat profession mm-hmm. you got to keep your head down if you want if you want the prize uh, but I always seem to be able to lift my head up to catch whatever it was, was going on in terms of pop culture or you know just just being a, a regular old person
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Got so
1: let me ask you what I, I, I probably don't want to self-diagnose diagnose um or you to diagnose me uh what, <laughs> uh, what, what, what when somebody what would you say what kind of person you say would be a person that, that that's um a people watcher they like to just like they could sit down for an hour two three and just watch people and analyze people what kind of person you think that person would be uh
3: creepy <laughs> Maybe, <no. laughs> I'm, told, I'm, I'm messing with you marlon i'm messing with you uh
2: no 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 i no,
3: i i know what you're talking about um i i'm that kind of person in fact i have a hard time when people ask me you know what are your hobbies and they say well, isn't you know, talking about people like a legitimate hobby like no but but i think it is i mean sometimes you're just obsessed with how people work you know how do their brains work like how do their mm-hmm. emotions work and i get it i mean i don't know i don't i don't know if there's a diagnosis like for me i think being you know asian american being bicultural had a lot to do with it there's a mm-hmm. lot of translating that happens you know between your family and your community if your community doesn't look like your family
2: mm-hmm. you know, there's a
3: lot of there's a lot of figuring stuff out like why are my parents you know, the way they are, like, what is their damage? Or, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, you know, or, you know, why, why, why does, why does my community, like, not get, you know, me and my family? You know, all, all these little yeah. things that I think crop up. For me, I know that those early experiences trying to figure out, like, what's what you know, between my home and, you know, all the spaces outside my home definitely sparked that interest in social sciences particularly psychology for me and and probably made me like pretty good at it like whatever whatever inherent interest i had just became like you know like very sharp by the time i i entered college
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so,
0: so now as you are like you know enter into this space and you are, you know, exploring, you know, what this can look like in a classroom, you know, applying this type of lab type of um, setup and programming. How, what was that transition transition like? Um, just some of the, 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 the learning curves of implementing something like this in a classroom type of a setting. Uh, I think probably the
3: biggest Hurdle or barrier is that at that time, which was now, you know, several years back, that we hadn't seen this uptick in interest uh-huh. in design thinking and human centered design. So on the research side, I, I think there was a lot of resistance that it was maybe considered to be too not rigorous enough. Like, oh, well, we just, you know, like we conduct primary research. That's how we figure everything out. And then on the other side, I think there was resistance, like, well, you know, old old wine, new bottle, or yeah, we tried something like this, or we already do uh, lean six sigma. How say that? Right. I mean, people just, but people, I think, in general, are resistant to change. And before, uh, you had major organizations, like now IBM, for instance, has an entire consulting arm devoted to design thinking, all the major consulting firms have design thinking arm. USAID, the VA, uh, CMS, Social Security, they're all using design thinking. Like all these, and, and that's not, and that's even just on the like policy side of the public sector. But you know, these, the, the major consumer firms, all the products that we know and love, like they've been, they've been utilizing these processes for a really long time. But, uh, you know, you try to bring it into new spaces and people just they're they're suspicious. So that was the biggest hurdle, I think, even more than, say, learning how to, you know, translate research into practical, practical terms or, or techniques.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, convincing people that they needed to give it a shot was the hardest part.
1: Because, you know, design thinking, I, 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 of course, I don't know. Well, I said of course, but I'm in the military. Real design thinking, right? But mm-hmm. the desi- they have a whole department just set up just for that of thinking, you know, innovation and all this different kind of things. And when I go to their, you know, their uh, their classes or anything like that that they give or any any kind of um uh, uh um, what's it called? Any kind of classes Work, that they give? Yeah. I'll just say that. I, I, what you said is lean. To me, it's a little bit of Lean Six Sigma, a little different spin on it with with a um, a different approach. And a lot of times, I think a lot of times, especially big organizations, they just don't, they just don't, the bus is driving and somebody says, okay, let's take the wheel and just pull it left. They, they're just like scared that the whole building's going to fall down. When a lot of times if they look at it and say, well, this will help the creativity of the people within, foster creativity of the people to figure out problems within the organization, they'll understand what this really trying to implement. And I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so I know you talk about it in sense of, um, universities, academia area, also corporations. Is it is something that could be applied to individuals' lives as well. And how?
3: Yes. So that would be I would think that would be what I consider to be sort of the latest, you know, hot trend in design thinking, which is life design. Mm-hmm. Uh, so life design is the application of design thinking to you know your your personal change goals or professional goals or or um, whatever it is you want to accomplish, and uh, there is a group uh, there are, there are, it's being taught in several different ways um, uh, across the country. As far as I know, we also teach it at Hopkins, um, but we call it pers- designing personal change. But people have taken that approach of trying to you know understand and observe, empathize, and um, defining a problem and prototyping and testing to solve all kinds of issues. I mean, there was a New York Times op-ed that came out a few years back where um, a man describes his journey of trying to lose weight. Like, he'd been trying to lose weight his whole life, and he, he talks about applying design thinking to that issue and feeling like it was successful. Mm. and as you know Ricky like you can't you can't turn your head these days at Hopkins without hearing about Vice Provost Farouk Day and the Life Design Initiative at Hopkins it's just it's Mm -hmm. blowing up and it's really exciting
1: yeah absolutely absolutely can I play the devil's advocate just a little bit yeah
3: please I love it
1: (laughs) so uh, case in point just like what you said um you know somebody's trying to lose weight and they're talking about design thinking and how they utilize design thinking in order to achieve their goal. Um, one would say, some would say or would want to say that, you know, with the design thinking, somebody's trying to, they're not trying to tackle their problem. They're trying, to, they're trying to find the easiest way to say I could get to my goal without doing the the most work, of course, which there's nothing wrong with it. But at times... What would you say to somebody that's saying that, well, that's a person trying to find a lazy way to get to what they want to achieve? If, am I phrasing it right?
3: I think so. It's a really interesting perspective. I mean, uh, one thing I want to say, and I don't know if this directly answers your question, like it might be kind of hidden under, you know, a couple layers of your question. But I just want to say that, look, I don't I don't sell No snake oil, you know. And I and I I don't. This is not the church of design thinking. Like you know, you can like it, you can you can try it, but if you don't like it, great. No, 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 no. I mean, if you don't like it, it's okay with me. Like we can still be friends, you know. Like it's it's all right. And, And I also think that something that people don't realize is that there are like anything else there are varying degrees of quality and effectiveness depending on who's doing the design thinking, right? It can be done really poorly. So, I don't know if that's what you're getting at, but it's not a magic, you know, it's not a magic pill, it's not a silver bullet, and like any other process, it's only as good and as smart as the person who's behind it, right? Who's behind that work. Mm. And so, it, that's one of the things that we are always pushing, you know, at at Hawkins at Carrie is that you don't just because you say it's design thinking, just because you whip out the markers and the post it, you know, doesn't doesn't make it good work. You yeah. Gotta, yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: I, I, <laughs> so that's a, that's the new thing, right? The, the bo- I, I, I'm sorry, man. I, I I don't want to clown, but you know, every time I go into a a, a working group. Uh, I don't know if you guys call it that, go into a working group or a think tank or whatever they want to call it nowadays. You go in there, everybody's putting stickies over the wall, 500 stickies that they're writing on the thing and everybody's doing it and then they're taking away the stickies and, and until they come to the thing and, and then they leave. And my thing is, what about um, how do you foster that follow through after, after just finding the solution? How do you foster that follow
2: through?
3: Oh, that's such a good question. And I, I wish more people would think to ask that question because I think one of the biggest shortcomings that I see in this type of work now is that there's like a, uh, you know, there's a brainstorming session or a workshop or whatever, some kind of meeting. And, you know, you, you use the tools and mm-hmm. yeah, you feel good. And then it kind of stops. You um I think one of the key factors is documentation, good documentation. There are all these tools now that you can use to document what's on those Post-its, you know, mm-hmm. preserve that information for for future review. Uh, there's an app. You know, I sound like I work for 3M. I wish I did work for 3M, but uh, <laughs> there's an app. <laughs> It'll it'll read the text when you take pictures of your you know I I I remember back in the day I just have to take pictures of all these you know pieces of work and then kind of zoom in and and try to figure out what the heck was on the post it but now the app it'll read the text on the post its and then save it you know as mm-hmm. a as a PDF or something and then and and there should be a post mortem or an actor action review or some kind of it shouldn't just yep. you know end. Um, but you're right. Like that, that is almost the hardest part. You know, there's a lot of momentum and energy in the workshop. When those speakies come out, people lose their, you know, lose their minds and then <laughs> be thinking, okay, now who's gonna, who's gonna implement this? Who's gonna stop, do it? Right? Like we
0: need to do a design doing <laughs> right. class. That's 2.0. Design doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there it is right there. No, no, I, I love it. And I, when, as Marlo was asking those questions, I mean, the things that were going through my head, were: can you need a lot of people talk about design thinking now? Uh, well, I, not say a lot of people but it's it's coming up more and more in conversations um especially in innovative spaces startup spaces um the academia world and of course the major uh fortune 500 companies they're all starting to implement some some aspect of it and one thing i was thinking about you know what once you start getting a lot of people doing it, uh, the the main individuals, like the core people that really start developing and really working on it over the past 10 however many, 15, however many years it may be, you know, it, it feels like sometimes it can get watered down um, to where everyone is just trying to cut into the market and be part of that new cutting edge thing to say, Hey, I have a process that you can do and I uh, want you to come and do my design thinking class. And actually I'm, I i do not call it design thinking. I call it something, some crazy other name, but you know, they use the premise of design thinking, you know, it's just, you know, how do you, you know, how do you view that as you are, you know, you've been in this space for quite some time, even before it's been popular um, to see it now evolve in the good. And, you know, just more so people just jumping on and in in, jumping on to the, the bandwagon of it.
3: I think it's really important now more than ever to not get swept up mm-hmm. in 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 that you know in that momentum like oh let's just have as many cl- let's just hold as many courses or classes as we can to meet the demand i mean there's got to be now more than ever it's important to care about quality because what's going to happen is as you as you're noticing the market is filling with people who are you know saying that they've they've, they've got something to teach you but you know they are probably not all high quality services
2: right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or
3: individuals and so it's it's more important now than ever to make sure that what you're doing is solid yeah and if you're new to this space i think it's more important than ever to vet you know where are you getting your training what what did the people who are teaching you where did they study what's their experience you know what are people what are the people that you know who've taken these courses saying about it Um, Just try to get as much information as you can, because, as you know, when there's when there's a lot of information then there's there's also a lot of distortion. So it can it can be tough to figure out what's what.
2: Hey,
0: everybody, it's Ricky here, and I really hope you're enjoying this episode. Hey, did you know that you can actually get paid for listening to this podcast? (laughs) I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. See, Marlon and I discovered this free app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to this podcast. Seriously, just go to PodCoin app and use the invite code JOURNEY. You'll get 300 PodCoin just for signing up if you use my code. That's 300 PodCoin just for signing up if you use the code JOURNEY. Listen, we appreciate all that you do. And let's get back to the episode. Peace.
1: you you're talking earlier about you know your parents you being um asian american um and also being a female so so you're uh, you have you're like a minority here minority and something else. you don't know what i'm saying um yeah how, how do you when you come into a space do you feel what's the pressures do you feel any pressures and how do you turn that generate that pressure that energy that you're feeling into something positive
3: yeah uh, of course, I feel pressure. I mean it would be it would be crazy to suggest that I didn't um i mean i I have always felt pressure, but a lot of it came from my family, like my parents um this you know, both my parents are a product of the Korean War. My dad was mm-hmm. born you know he you know he was a small kid during the war, and my mom was born right after the war, but things were still you know there there was a lot of Things were very uh, distressed in the country, I and mean, this is like the darkest period in the country that you know um, in the history of the country. And uh, you know, we grew up in a household where they let us know that they grew up, you know, in tough times. And so it was a lot about kind of like you know, the world is a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not you're not white, you're not male. You're gonna have to get out there and do the best you can, and uh, I think that the message is given to a lot of kids. Like you don't have to be, you know, Korean or Korean American or Asian American to have that message. Mm, um, but th- they they may have overdone it a bit. Well, I'll just say that, right? Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, like, no,
2: like you so, know, I'm from,
1: the, I'm from the islands. We get the same exact, yes. yes, exact thing. Yeah,
3: I, I, and the thing is, is that once. Once you get that narrative in your head, it's hard to shake. I mean, it, you know, and and i I they did the best they could, you know, i I am truly appreciative for the the childhood they gave me and my siblings, but it's like we weren't exactly growing up like in wartime conditions, you know, but I had, like a wartime mentality, you know. So, I mean, we just worked hard, all you know all of us like learned how to work hard really early. and then so when I, when I and, and that mentality is still with me, right? Mm-hmm. So when I enter a room, it's not that I feel less than, but like I've got this mission, you know. I got to work really yeah, hard, proof, whatever yeah. it is, you know. Whatever it is, the guy next to me is doing, like I'm gonna, you know, you know, one point five times him, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we're
2: crazy. We're crazy people. Yeah, no, I, I
0: like how you said that, though. Well, not that part that you're crazy, but, um, the part of you crazy, but, you know, to bring that perspective because, you know, as my minorities in, in general, you know, across the across the board for the, for the most part, that is not an uncommon theme in the household or conversation or feeling. Conversation right? or feeling yeah. You know, um, you walk into the different spaces and you're like, well, you know, I, I have to prove myself. And not just prove myself, but I have to be better than, you know, I cannot be average because average I automatically feel I I will feel as though I'm less than or be looked upon as though I'm less than, you know, and and whether it's a a true notion or not, you know, and that's that's for someone else to say. But um, it's a reality of the times that have been that have transpired over the years of this world, you know, and we're, we're living, we're living through, um, um, the back end of generations that were going through some really rough, rough times. You know. My, my mother, she was, I was sharing with, with Marlon. My mother was uh, she remembers being on the buses that were being shipped from one part of uh, the Carolinas to the other th- when they were desegregating schools. And she was I mean, up to today, she still won't even tell me all the stories that transpired during that time. But, you know, it definitely carried out in terms of her teaching us as in, you know, where we were being aware, being being the best, you know, um, be, be just being having a sense of awareness of where you are and who you are and how you have to perform. And it's just something as as minor, minorities in Mainly, I would say mainly just in the United States. I don't know any other state. I haven't I don't know any other area um, that, that's just 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 the way the way life is. You know, so like what what do you now, you know, uh, growing up through that, living in the time frame you're in right now, um, even the with the success that you have achieved up until now, how do you carry that message forward to the next generation?
3: Oh, wow. I think about this a lot. So I have two kids, two daughters. They're two and four. And, you know, my mom lives with us. Right. So we got three Mm -hmm. generations. We got the wartime generation. We got the okay, it's, It's not wartime generation anymore. And then we got this brand new kind of you know, like my kids, I feel like they, they've got it really good. I mean, I'm sure my parents felt that way about
2: me, but, but I, I
3: just think like, wow, you know, like I speak English, like you got that going for you, you know, cause my my parents didn't really speak English. And like, I understand, you know what, you know, that I understand the school system that you're about to enter into. And like, I know who Beyonce is like, right. Like I, I feel like, oh, but but then I think one of the things I wonder, and I want, and I would love to hear if the two of you think this too, is like I wonder if all that toughness has been like has has left the building. Like I I do wonder if if my kids will have the skills. To take care of themselves if things, if if the going gets rough, you know? I mean, I feel like all we did was get trained to deal with rough times. But, you know, we, you know, my husband and I, we've eased up on that a bit. But I do sort of wonder, like, am I preparing you properly? Like, I, I don't know. I'm doing the best that I can. What about you
1: two? I, 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 man, I'll, I'll, tell, man, I'll tell you something. So and I'll tell you in the form of a story with a little bit of, Edification. So, Kobe Bryant, he he has a female basketball team, and everybody knows Kobe Bryant is hardworking, no nonsense. I'm competitive. If the like you said, if the person beside me is doing it at at, at, at level one, you're 1.5. He is 100.5. <laughs> he's not thinking 1.5. He's thinking I'm beating this guy by by light years. So. He, ha- he takes a female team. They get destroyed the previous year. He takes a female team. They destroyed the team that beat them badly. He beats them on the shot clock, on a scoreboard. It was like 100 and something. Well, the, the female team, the, the, his daughter's team, beats them 112 to like, I think it was ev- like 26 or something like that, right? So he takes a picture with his with the girl team, and he says in the caption, "Oh, a player's not here. The player that's not here is at a dance recital. You know where her um, parties lie." And everybody went at this guy because he was stating a fact that the girl wasn't there, and because she because her party wasn't there, she was somewhere else. And um, you're absolutely true that we're losing the age that if you you're never in a working environment, right and and you're turning it you're turning and burning. If you're supposed to produce ten, you're producing 20 and a, your boss comes to you and say, listen, um, everybody beside you, they're only producing five so I'm I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna need you to bring it down um, to under ten you'll never have that in a regular working environment but what we're teaching kids is that A, you can't outdo somebody by so much if you work too hard you must feel bad about it or anything like that so I think this society is losing or we are fostering because of a duality right, yes yes, we want our kids to work hard but we also want to give them everything because we did not have mm. and we we don't Sometimes we lose that balance, and because we lose that balance, what we're doing is we're handicapping that person. I don't know if I can say handicap, but um, we're handicapping that person, um, your child, to becoming to be able to handle it when the when the going gets tough. Mm. Um, And that's how I feel about it. I feel like we just need to learn that, um, that have that balance. So that our child will understand that what real life is, because if we always show them the melancholy, and then the first time they go into society and somebody just flat out says, "Hey, yeah, but no," and they're just like, "Well, nobody says no to them," then it's 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 it could have a bad ramification at the end, and that's what I think.
0: Yeah, for for me, for me, I would say that. Um, uh, so I have three three boys three black boys and um because I'm you know three black boys <laughs> and <laughs> I, know, I know what you think yeah, yeah, yeah I'm black, black, black but it doesn't mean that I have black boys it's just does You know, it could be mixed you know but they're three black boys and so I, I would say that at one point I did I, I did not have that same um you know, aggressive, like, hey, you got to you got to do the best. You got to do this. You got to do that. Um, but as of recent events over the last couple of years um, and there's things that I've just been exposed to or just didn't wasn't able to see in the past, um, I'm I'm a little bit more careful with them now and just trying to form them up to be um, to be able to hold their own in, in the society that we live in, because I mean, it's not as bad as it was before. But it's still they are the 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 statistics for black men is that one of every three black men are going to be arrested, and I'm just like I have three kids, I have three boys, so one of them are going to get arrested. You yeah. know, if I apply that statistics to my house, you know, God forbid. No. But you so I'm just like okay, so what are some things that I have to instill in them now so that you know hey, things that are out of their their control, they can't control it, that's fine. But things that they can control, how they carry themselves, how they talk to people in public, how they work hard when they're in school, like you getting, you not doing well in school, does not look look the same way as someone else that that, that 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 doesn't look like you doing well in school why because they have systems that have already been in place so that it is it, it, just the whole educational system yeah and a, and a whole we can go a whole a whole a whole episode on that but just seeing all those things it's like i'm not as like oh yeah rah rah, rah you got to do this, do this but i'm more conscientious of it And and now as they're developing, my wife said something very key. She was like, you know, um, when our kids were very young toddlers, you would hear more, you'll hear, oh man, the kids are very cute. Or when you hear, you know, young black boys, you'll hear up to around five, six years old. They're very cute. Once they become 11, 12, 13, 14 and up, mm. that they can be doing the same thing. But the narrative completely changes because of what many, many, the media portrays about who they are mm. and what they represent. So I'm just like, man, you know, I can't control what the media does, but I can try to shape you and teach you how to carry yourself so that, you know, you don't fit within that same, uh, um, stereotype. Um, the way you dress, I think we talked about this on a podcast um, probably a month ago. It's like, I dress a certain way. I present myself in a certain way because of if I, and, and Sharon, you can correct me if I'm wrong. If I came to Baltimore to work and I had on, Uh, Sweats And I had on a t-shirt And I'm walking down the street I would be perceived a lot differently Than if I was wearing a, a, a shirt Some slacks I don't have to be a tie or anything But shirt and slack And maybe a suit jacket you know, it, it just the awareness of where I am. I have to make sure that I am presenting myself in a certain way. And that's just a society. So when I have my little my young kid, my my boys now and they're and they are and they're learning about their grooming and how to brush their hair, how to, they should be walking, how when they're outside, they're not just screaming and just running up and around around the streets, you know, like just different things. I'm just more conscientious of. So not to say I'm aggressive, like, you know, we're we're in, you know. War or you know someone's gonna grab You up tomorrow but I, I think for me in my situation In my situation with my boys it's It's not too far removed From them for me to mm. take the, the Foot off the gas um, Or you know be as aggressive With them in terms of their development right now But
1: uh, Ricky uh, uh, What I don't understand right Say I'm walking in this is, this is where I have a, a Hard time with society, with just a, or, um, somebody's outlook that they're not rational. So how can I work with you? Right. In terms of this. So say I walk into, I'm giving this scenario, I walk into a building, there is a metal detector. There is a police officer before you can enter the building. You have to show your ID, make sure that you're, uh, um, um, you you're, you're you, that's supposed to be a place of business or you have business in that place. And you're going, you you make it through that, that first um, line of defense, right? Then you go to an elevator and when you go to the elevator, I'm um, just like how Ricky said, I'm supposed to be dressed. I have a nice um, flax on, I have a t-shirt, um, I have a um, button up on and I get into the elevator and still yet a lady's going to clutch your purse. Hmm. What to me to me now there's no help in that person because they just have a rationale or the, the 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 what they have in their head has has taken away all rational thinking of thinking of all the steps or all the measures that were put in place to make sure that a person that would harm her and more her in that situation um wouldn't wouldn't occur. But yet still the first notion is to say, Oh my goodness, this you understand what i'm saying uh, how 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 would you how do you how do you prepare somebody for that kind of stuff any one of you
3: i mean obviously, I can't speak to the experience of you know of of being a black man young or old right uh but I think in, your question is is Really, a brilliant one, which is well, one. How do you explain? How do you explain this situation to your child? Mm-hmm. And then how much? Like Ricky said, how much do you mix into your regular old parenting? You know, you don't, I think on the one hand, my uh, with my personal experience, I think the message that the world is dangerous and that I'm an outsider and that I need to work harder was was a little too. It was too much. Like to the point where it started to become counterproductive,
2: right? Mm -hmm. Like there's one
3: thing about like preparing your sons for what might happen if, for example, they have to interact with the police, that's one thing. But like every morning, you know, they got a Pop-Tart and you're like, don't forget, you know, if you see the police, (laughs) like, you know, it's like it's going to affect them. (laughs) It's going to affect them psychologically, right? And and as parents, I think that's the thing is like you want to walk right up to that line so that if they ever need that information, they can access it and, and do what they need to do to get out of there alive. Right. Mm-hmm, and I, and mm-hmm, I don't think correct. I'm being, you know, I'm not, I'm not being, you know, I'm not, uh, no, you're right that's not, you know, hyperbole. Right.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's,
3: but, but without like totally, you know, damaging them yeah, or stressing them out. Correct. And that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm struggling with, obviously in a, in a, in a different way. And in my, you know, from my own lens, my own cultural lens, but, I, I do think about that a lot and I don't know what the answer is because I also think maybe it has a lot to do with your kid like maybe you have one of those kids who's just like man I don't you know I never listen to you or I'm stubborn or whatever maybe the message has to be stronger for that kid versus the kid who's like I heard you once I got it you know
0: Hmm. yeah absolutely absolutely you know it's it's just it's it's unfortunate that it's something that has to still be thought of um, in a society that we live in today. Um, and everyone has a a different experience. Um, and like you said, Sharon, it's really, hmm, what's going to be the most beneficial for the child, you know, as we grow up, I don't want my, my children to think when they're in school that everybody hates them. You know, Mm. that's not the message that I want them to walk out of the house with like, oh, my teachers don't like me, you know, like, oh, man, this person right here, because they don't look like me, then they they hate me. You know, that's not the message uh, that I want them to to have. So we got to be, you know, be careful, like you said, that we're not shaping fear. Into and in developing fear into our and in our into our generate next generation our children because in that 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 fear can become a, 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 a barrier to them and then for the rest of their life they're living in a state of fear and they'll never truly uh, assume or realize the potential that they have because. But, potential really can't 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 uh, uh, abide in fear you know you have to be of a, of a free mind and say hey you know what i am capable i can do this um I, I i believe that if i put everything i have into this then i will be able to achieve things um and in that message right there of empowerment would take children um young and old a lot a lot further um in this in this society you know you 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 see the results of students that will be like oh man they don't like me because of this. oh they ain't like me because of that but but you're but you're failing all your classes like, come on! Like, <laughs> what kind of excuses are you having, man? You got straight Fs. Like, what does that have to do with the security guard or your teacher or what any of them? You got straight Fs, man. So it's like you know, it has to be an empowerment uh, portion of this where you're not blaming people for your your yeah. your life and the makeup of your life yep. or your m- misfortunes but you're saying hey I'm going to look at what I do have and how do I take what I do have and bring the best out of it <clears throat> best out of it yeah and, and
1: yeah I I tell you Rick it's, it's a, it's a it's a I think about it a lot um in terms of you know I have a 18 year old and you know he drives now mm have to tell him like when i when i got him a car i'm saying I, it's not because i want to be selfish but i want you to get a coupe and he's thinking <laughs> oh man a coupe that's cool two doors oh man it's a sports car and i'm like well i don't want you to be able to have a lot of pe- a lot of people riding in your car <laughs> because in this society you're guilty by association mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you might not know that this person has something on them and they ask you, that you're at your school, and they're like, hey, man, which way are you going? Hey, I'm going to Douglasville because I live in Georgia. I'm going to Douglasville. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, hey, can you give me a ride up the block? And he jumps in the car, you get stopped. Next thing you know, this person has something that they should – all because you had all this space. So those, those, those are things that I have to even think about that, that, hey, if – if Jay, if you get stopped by the police, first thing you do, man, put your hands on the steering wheel, both hands on the steering wheel, yes, sir, no, sir, da 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 Don't worry about nothing. If he says anything appropriate or whatever, whatever, if you catch it on camera or it's off camera, don't worry about it. We'll take it about it in in the end result. But you got to be alive in order to get to the end result Mm. of him being prosecuted. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want (laughs) to go through too much. Yeah, (laughs) it's a crazy thing to be thinking about, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In the year
1: 2019, brother.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so Sharon, if, One question we usually ask uh, a lot of our guests is, you know, as you're going through your journey now. And one thing is a common, common theme or a common, common statement that most of our guests, if not all of our guests that we have had on, despite the levels of attainment that they've had or accomplishments that they've had, they'll always say, I still have not reached where I want to go. And that's the beauty about this show because a lot of people will see people in these different spaces and be like, oh man, they arrived. They're good. They're set. They're all good to go. Um, But while you're on, on this journey um, and you look back however many years you want to look back and you you see a a student and say, hey, you know, I just want to give you some advice. Um, What would you say to them?
3: Wow. What would I say to them? I mean, I think I'm trying to pick something that's not going to sound like too terribly cheesy.
2: But (laughs) but
3: I mean, I think don't let people tell you what you like and what you're good at. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I, I think that's something that that I I took for granted, whether it be your family or your teachers or professors or whomever it is. I mean, I think that we're in the fortunate position, you know, we're we're alive in two thousand nineteen and and the pace of change is so rapid. Yeah. And so you may have started out you know whatever your major was when you were in college when you first entered college I and mean, you could be miles and miles away from that just like you said Ricky did I wake up as a little kid and say you know I wanted to direct a program in design did and know what design thinking was you know <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't it existed when I was a little kid but I sure didn't have access to it and it didn't look the way it does today and so you just don't know what's going to come your way. And I think being true to yourself in terms of what you like and what what you're good at or what you'd like to be good at can help push you in a direction where you can really, you know, do something that you love. Yeah. Instead of, oh, everyone's always telling me I'm good at math I should be an engineer or, oh, like, I've I've always been, you know, good at public speaking, so maybe I should be a lawyer or whatever. I mean, all of the old pieces of advice that that we got or maybe even gave, I mean they just they don't they don't work anymore.
0: Yeah. Mm. Oh man, I can I can attest to that. I looking at my life now, I'm like, man, how in the world did I end up doing what I'm doing now? Because this is definitely not what I started off thinking that I was going to do at all. But I love every single bit of it. And the more and more I grow, more and more I develop, um, I find that, you know, my career path is um, is developing with me, you know, and every position that I get is just more and more of I'm able to be more and more of myself, you know, which is a this is a beautiful yeah. thing, beautiful thing. So, uh, Sharon, if you don't mind, if someone wants to contact you in terms of, uh, holding a consultation, um, wanting to do a design thinking session, uh, or just have just questions or anything about the process of you in in general, uh, where's a good place where they can contact you?
3: They can find me on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter. Sharon H Kim is my handle. Um, do
2: you guys, do your guests give out email addresses
0: on this? Yeah, you Some can. do, yep. Okay,
3: if you want to email me, Sharon.Kim at JHU.edu.
0: Cool, cool, got it. You guys got that. You know, listeners and travelers, we just thank you so much for joining us this week. Man, so for many of you, some of you may have known what design thinking is. Uh, some of you may have, you know, this faintly heard heard about it. But today we got an opportunity to talk to a guru in the space uh, doing amazing things. Uh, she was very humble in expressing what she has done and what she is doing. But let me let, let me assure you that as you do check her out and on her Instagram or not Instagram, Twitter <laughs> and also and her LinkedIn, LinkedIn uh, you will see that she is doing some major work in this space. And this and her work is transforming this uh, company's uh, uh, lives and also, um, the academia world uh, that's around us. So uh, we just want to thank you so much again for just tuning in and listening to us uh, and just going on this journey with us. And we want to remind you that you can go to our website at the Success journey, uh, showcom and you can see all the latest and greatest that's going on with Marlon and oursel- myself. Uh, you can see you get a newsletter. You can see all of our previous episodes. Listen, guys, like we say every single week, this show is, is fantastic you. So as we're going through this journey, you guys want to hear a little bit something different, you know, of a guest that we should reach out to. Let us know. You have our contact information. Feel free to leave a a comment or review Or any on our site Or our social media platforms We're looking forward to hearing from you But just like every other week We reach that time Where we have to come to the end Come to the end of another show So we thank you very very much For joining us again And we will see you next week At the same time On the Success Journey Show All right, everyone Have a good one Peace Bye one love You've been listening To the Success Journey Show Where your dreams drive determination and diligence are the foundation to success for more information check out the successjourneyshow.com the journey squad is
2: here helping you to your destination